Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of that Foreign Key Podcast. This one is avoiding that ru- the rule that will cause plan sponsors trouble. And um, everybody knows, obviously, based on articles and obviously the podcast, is that I'm a huge fan of movies. Uh, don't get to watch as much as I used to. And when you're you know, an attorney working for a law firm, you're hours are done at five and you can do whatever the heck you want and uh, on the train ride back I could watch before the iPad uh, you know could watch it I had a mini DVD player and uh, watch uh, the movie that way I don't even know where that mini DVD player was but that was a was a godsend when taking uh, train rides back to uh, Albany but anyway um, I'm a big fan of movies. Um, I've watched. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Coen Brothers. Been a big fan forever. Uh, first time, first Coen's brother, uh, first Coen's Brothers movie that I've seen was that I saw was uh, Raising Arizona. Um, big fan of all their movies. I don't think they've made a bad movie yet. Maybe the Lady Killers is their weakest movie, I and I, I think that was a fantastic movie. Actually, with Tom Hanks and J.K. Simmons, and uh, I think it was Marlon Wayans. But obviously, their best best movie was, you know, obviously the Academy Award winning uh, No Country for Old Men, and uh, Javier Bardem um, won the Best Supporting Actor in his role as Anton Chigurh. And he had a he had a couple of great scenes. Uh, he had one scene talking about uh, a coin and you know uh, dealing with a gas station owner and uh, you know it was just a very very interesting uh, discussion. And uh, there's also another great scene, um, which is a line that I like to use a lot. I, I I change it a little bit, but the line in the movie was, "If the rule you followed." you know, brought to this, of what use was the rule. And I've always used that line. If the path, you know, I usually say, if the path you followed led you to this, of what good was the path? If the road uh, led you to this, of what good was the road? Um, and that's, I, I, I always use that line when I, I think of people constantly following a bad situation, a bad path, and not realizing that it was a bad path, constantly, you know, doing bad uh, mistakes and it usually revolves around my old law firm, my old TPA, and my old synagogue, because uh, that's where I found that uh, the most talented person in the room was always the person who wasn't in charge. Um, and I think that you'll find that in most organizations, unfortunately. Obviously, the successful ones, I, I would think that that's not. I've had the bad luck of not being involved with a lot of successful companies. We all can't be like Mike and work at the same place for 30 years. I like to bring that up because I'm still amazed that anybody works in these day in this day and age, 30 years at the same place. So mazel tov to him. But um, I'm always fascinated by that line and uh, plan sponsors, um, you know, constantly follow that bad path and they don't have the um, experience or the knowledge to turn things around and, and not follow that bad path. So. Before I get into the list, I, I did forget about that foreignkeysite.com for further information on all our lives events, Las Vegas, 
in January 21, the National Virtual Conference on the 27th, 28th of January, then obviously April the 8th in Phoenix, uh, June 24th in Miami, uh, October in Charlotte, and you know hopefully we'll have events in November, September, June, and May. Uh, it's all dependent on you know whatever variance is the variance of the month. But anyway, let's go back to the topic at hand. Obviously, the rule that plan sponsors always follow that's always a bad idea is, is not vetting plan providers. Um, you know, not vetting them. Uh, I always talk about hiring a waterproofing company. Um, the waterproofing company was a complete and utter disaster. Um, it would have... Uh, had I bothered to Google it, I might have found out that the guy running the place was a podiatrist who was thrown out and lost his podiatry license, his DPM license, because uh, he was engaged in Medicare fraud. Um, and then I would have found out that the, the company had numerous complaints with the uh, uh, Nassau County, um, uh, the Nassau County, I forget, Department of licensing and whatnot that licensed, um, you know, uh, waterproofing companies. The problem with the retirement plan business is that, you know, I can, you know, if you didn't go to law school, you can't say you're an ERISA attorney. If you're not licensed, uh, you can't say you're an RA or a broker or whatnot. But anybody can say that they're a TPA. My 16-year-old son could put out a sign on the front lawn and say, you know, he's a 401k TPA. And I think that that's always a problem. Uh, you know, it, uh, it, uh, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's just really bad, uh, idea that, you know, anybody could be a TPA and we've seen a lot of unscrupulous people become TPAs. And obviously I think it's important that plant sponsors vet all their plant providers. Um, an online search may yield, you know, suspensions from the practice, you know, of law for risk attorneys. If you're checking out advisors, it may show that their, uh, you know, complaints, uh, the certain TPA who stole $15 million um, from their clients would have been simply discovered if um, the, um, if you would have Googled him and realized that he was barred from the SEC, the, the securities business for a number of years for securities fraud. So it's important that um, plan providers get vetted, um, and that plan sponsors do that. Of course, not reviewing the work of plan providers is another bad idea. Um, it's not enough for plan sponsors to vet the plan providers before they hire them. They also need to review the work that they do. That's especially true with the TPA that a plan sponsor hires. The TPA does so much work, and if they don't do it properly, it's the plan sponsor that's going to be on the hook for liability. By discovering errors, uh, you know, the problem with discovering errors is that they happen uh, years and years later, uh, and that's obviously a problem for plan sponsors because it's costlier to fix. Um, I've seen way too many plan sponsors have compliance nightmares um, that, you know, can just been avoided by just reviewing the work that the TPA churned out. So that's why it's important that, uh, you know, a plan sponsor does that, in my opinion. Um, it's important to it's important for plan sponsors, you know, when hiring an advisor, 
that they had an advisor who shows up every now and then, reviewing the investment options of the plan, reviewing the investment policy statement, providing education to plan participants. Um, you know, and there are still advisors out there who collect a fee and don't do any work. Uh, and those type of plan uh, providers, these advisors, are, are just problematic because if a plan sponsor doesn't review the work of the plan providers, it could put them in a really bad spot in terms of uh, increased liability. Um, you know, there are, of course, ERISA attorneys that create havoc for their plans. Uh, I, I, I did it. Uh, you know, uh, in terms of replacing a, a TPA, uh, replacing an attorney who was just terrible at what he did. So it, it's always uh, it's always a big problem. And the way for our plan sponsors to uh, avoid this potential headaches, obviously, is by reviewing their plan providers on an annual basis. Uh, or, you know, they could do that on their own or engaging with a retirement plan provider, uh, an independent provider or independent um, consultant to review the work. Um, and of course, uh, hiring ERISA 316 may make sense. Uh, you want a system that checks and balances place. Plan sponsors really need that. You know, I, I do a plan review called the Retirement Plan Tune-Up for 750 bucks. Uh, I still have only had about 10 plan sponsors actually opt for it and pay for it. Uh, because even at 750 bucks, they think it's a waste of time, and I, I think that they're wrong. But uh, that's, uh, that's their problem. Um, you know, I, I think that reviewing, uh, plan providers is a great way of plan sponsors to avoid headaches. And unfortunately, uh, plan sponsors remind me of, uh, Dr. Evil in, in the first Austin Powers movie where, you know, Dr. Evil goofing on, you know, the Bond villain says, you know what, I'm just going to leave and, and, you know, assume everything went to plan when uh, killing off Austin Powers. And unfortunately, plan sponsors can't afford to assume that everything will uh, go to plan. Next on the list is, is plan provider contracts. Uh, there are many plan providers out there very good in the marketing department, but aren't very good in the plan service market. Um, they may tout a, a really nice level of service, and they really don't deliver. Uh, you may, you know, a plan sponsor may have hired a, TPA based on a lot of promises, and when the contract comes, those promises aren't there. Uh, so it's important for a plan sponsor realizing that uh, this uh, obviously could be an issue. Next is um, picking uh, providers for the wrong reason. Uh, the reason a plan sponsor should pick a retirement plan provider is that they will provide a good service at a reasonable cost. Any other reason is a bad idea. They shouldn't pick a plan provider because they're cheap. They don't, shouldn't pick a plan provider just because they also do payroll. Uh, they should also not pick a plan provider because they're related to someone they know or, you know, there's a banking relationship with them. Everything has to really be up on the up and up. And um, I've seen too many mistakes. Don't hire a payroll provider just because they do payroll. Uh, it's just uh, there has to be a rational reason, and the rational reason really is competent level of plan service. Anything else just looks bad. You know, I live in a village where, you know, uh, we have more people on the Board of Education. We have more trustees on the Board of Education that have kids working on school district payroll than we do who have kids in schools. Now, they will say, okay, well, what's wrong with that? You know, the, 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 you know, the, the board member abstains from the vote, whatnot, but on paper, it looks bad. So I always say, 
any type of relationship out there, uh, the assumption is something bad happens. Uh, if it looks bad, it is bad, even though it may not be bad. Appearances mean everything. Uh, you know, they always tell you as kid, never judge a book by its cover. Unfortunately, as Denzel Washington said in Philadelphia, we don't live, you know, in your courtroom and we don't live in your ideas and thoughts. Uh, a book is uh, judged on its cover, uh, unfortunately, a lot of times. And if there's a bad relationship out there, um, you know, it's the plan sponsor that's going to get the uh, yeah, fifth degree. Obviously, uh, another bad path is not understanding the plan specs. Um, you know, plan documents are written. Uh, they govern uh, whatever the plan sponsor may think the plan says. It's the plan document that governs everything. So when dealing with plan specs, plan sponsors get into a whole host of trouble. Um, they get it wrong. Um and that's a problem. It's a compliance headache. We see a lot over the years uh, compensation mistakes. Plan sponsor thinks that, you know, for example, the plan excludes bonus from the plan and the plan document doesn't. So you got to miss the furlough opportunity. You may have contributions that have to be made up and whatnot. So that's always a problem. Uh, I think it's important for plan sponsors to understand what's in the plan document and what's being done and what's correct and what's not incorrect. Uh, you know, whatever mistakes are there, it's got to be corrected as quickly as possible. Uh, obviously, provisions where I see the most hiccups are dealing with eligibility, benefit accrual, compensation, and vesting. Um, there are other areas to obviously consider, but those off the top of my head are the ones that cause the biggest grief. Last but not least, uh, not depositing deferrals into plan as quickly as possible. Like I said in last week's episode, um, you know, plan sponsors used to follow that whole 15th day of the following month nonsense, and that really wasn't really true. Uh, it isn't really true anymore. The DOL did a reinterpretation or, uh, uh you know, uh, I, I, I say they did a reboot. <laughs> we, we use that term a lot these days, uh, in movies and TV shows, a reboot. So the DOL rebooted their... Uh, late deferral guidance a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Um, late deferral deposits, um, they're late if they're not in as immediately as, as possible. And that 15th day of the whole month, you can't, you know, the following month, you can't really rely on. It's it's of no use. Um, so, you know, plant sponsors really need to get those deferrals in as quickly as possible. Uh, any late deposits uh, must be corrected using the DOL's voluntary compliance program. Unless, uh, you know, the plan sponsor uh, wants the DOL to audit them or send them a letter or whatnot. And, of course, like I said in last week's episode, late deferral deposits aren't a one-time thing. If a plan sponsor is late once, that means they're probably late multiple times. So that's why it's important that a plan sponsor uh, fixes these errors as quickly as possible. Uh, and of course, like I said, go to that 4 for further information on all our live events, the virtual events as well. Uh, we hope you can make it. Obviously, the Omicron, Omicron, whatever, I'm, I'm not going to do with the Greek alphabet. Uh, the variants of the month, as I call it. Uh, obviously, that's having an impact on all events, not just my own, but you know, obviously larger industrial events and whatnot. And I hope that it, it ends really soon. So... Uh, hope you enjoyed this episode, and uh, it was 
quicker episode. We're trying to knock out these episodes before the new year, and of course, uh, the new year is upon us. Uh, this episode drops on December 31st, 2021. Quite an interesting year. Uh, for most intensive purposes, I won't miss it. We did come back with live events. Uh, so in my year review, uh, we did some live events in September. I uh, was able to take a family trip to Chicago, which was a lot of fun. Went to see a couple of baseball games and stadiums uh, as I try to get my way to 30 MLB stadiums. I'm up to 20. Hope to have five next year. And then five in 2023 to get to 30. And, of course, by then, uh, Oakland probably will announce that they will move to Las, uh, Las Vegas. And that will add, eventually, another one to the list. But, yeah, that's the plan, you know, for some of the events. You know, the plan was to have a, a quite a few events, and I can knock out the stadiums, Phoenix, Miami, uh, maybe Seattle, uh, maybe Cincinnati, uh, maybe San Diego. We'll see what happens. It's just been really, you know, interesting every single time. You know, it's time to plan an event. Um, you know, something else comes up with uh, the coronavirus and whatnot. So, Wish you a happy new year and all that kind of other stuff and tune in next week for the first episode of 2022 on that next episode of that 4 K podcast. Take care. Bye.